Hello and welcome to this edition of the Modern Times Podcast. John Guzan back with you. And of course, with Hooray for Hollywood, we have Tom Johnson, um, longtime contributor to Modern Times Magazine and also has done plenty outside of it. Um, books, uh, newspaper um, reports, um, different things that you've done. Welcome, Tom. Well, thanks very much, John. Good to be back. So who do you got with us today? Today I have uh, Seth Berkowitz. He's the president of broadcast and digital at Workshop Creative, one of the entertainment industry's leading creative marketing firms. Uh, Seth's a 20-year veteran of the industry, and he worked previously at uh, production houses like Studio City, The Ant Farm, and BLT, which is not the name of a sandwich. <laughs> and uh, over the course of his career, he's helped launch such shows as Modern Family, The Goldbergs, Blackish, Fresh Off the Boat for ABC, Trial and Error for NBC, and the original 24 with Kiefer Sutherland for Fox, and Chrisley Knows Best for USA. He's a native of New York, and Seth graduated from Boston University and worked as a writer and producer on the East Coast before moving to L.A. in 1996. He also, this is kind of fun, worked as a stand-up comedian in the 90s, all up and down the East Coast, and he once portrayed a mob boss extremely memorably, as I recall, on an episode of America's Most Wanted. And uh, most recently, Seth wrote, produced, and directed a web series called Here's the Thing that can be seen on YouTube. So welcome to the show, Seth. Well, thanks, Tom. Happy to be here. Cool. Uh, you know, TV promotion is not the kind of thing you go to a job fair to land, I would I would think. So, um, you know, first off, what can you tell us a little bit exactly what you do and sort of how you got into the business? Sure. Um, well, let me start with what I do. Uh, basically, um, what I do is, is is one of those things, like you said, it's not a job that you necessarily go to a job fair to land, though I think nowadays that it, it might have become one. But, but what I do um, ideally is somewhat invisible. You know, you, uh, uh, what we do is uh, we produce uh, trailers and uh, TV spots to promote TV shows. And, you know, when you're watching television, uh, you'll see commercials all the time for different products, and sprinkled in there are promos for, for upcoming shows. And it should feel seamless. It should feel like it's part of the entertainment. So you don't necessarily say, oh, I saw a commercial for a TV show. You just think, oh, I saw a little bit of that. And, um uh, we're the ones who uh, who produce those. So, so typically, um, when a when a new show is coming out, uh, the network will call us up and say we've got uh, this show coming out in you know usually a month or two, and uh, we want to promote it. We want to get people aware of it. We want to etch it in their minds that this is a show they want to see for the upcoming season. And uh, usually, it, it, it depends. It, every project is different, but usually they'll send us the pilot, or sometimes when we're working, they'll have They'll have some of the shows three or four episodes in. We uh, uh, go through, we pick out the best moments, and then we, uh, depending on, on their brief, on their uh, direction, uh, we figure out how best to uh, promote this particular show. Um, just to give you one example on a, a project we're, we're working on right now uh, is a, <clears throat> a new uh, period western coming out for um, USA called Damnation. And um, the show focuses quite a bit on these two characters, one of whom is a hired uh, gunslinger uh, who's brought in by the town to um, tame the uh, labor unrest, and one is a preacher who's come in to rile up the labor uh, and, and fight against the bosses. And, uh, and they're the two main uh, uh, focuses. Uh, foci, would that be the right word, Tom? Uh, you're, you're a wordsmith. Uh, yeah, uh, no, uh, that's true. You're on foci. the right track. <laughs> 
they're the main focus of the show, but um, uh, when USA called us, they said, you know, we've got some really strong female characters, and they're not getting featured as much because they're not as much part of the, the the front story, but we really want to feature them. So they had us come in just to do a, a female-oriented cell because a lot of their audience is female, and they're great female characters. So that's an example where... Uh, if someone had just given us a show, we may have gone right to the two male leads, but because they had already covered that base, um, we had it that direction. And uh, actually, we're pretty happy with the spots. We're pretty proud of how the spots came out. And now the show looks a little bit more balanced, which it actually is because the, the female characters are very strong. That's but, interesting. Um, That's, I mean, Seth, how do you, uh, you know, I know that there, I see sometimes differing lengths of spots, like 30, yeah. maybe 30 seconds, 15. What, what, can you tell us a little bit about how, you know, how that judgment is made? I'm sure, you know, the production companies or the networks uh, have a big say in what they want. But, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the network basically tells us what they need in terms of the, the you know, we need a 30, We need, sometimes we do a 60 or a, uh, a longer spot, uh, but typically it's a 30 or a 15 or a mix of them. Um, usually in a campaign early on, you know, a month or two before the show comes out or even a few weeks before, um, you'll see a lot of longer spots, 30s and sometimes even a, a 45 or a 60, because they need to get across what is this show about, you know, bring it to their awareness. Once they've already, once you've already seen a few of those, they can, they can use shorthand and go to um, a 15 or a 20, sometimes even a 10, That'll just remind you, yes, the show's on Wednesday. Yes, tune it on tonight. Yes, it's on in an hour. Um, <clears throat> and at that point, you don't need to necessarily retell the whole story. But so we usually start. That's why the first thing you see uh, in a movie usually is, is, the, is the trailer at a movie theater. Uh, you know, where you, where you get the whole story, you get two minutes, sometimes two and a half minutes. And then once it gets closer, if you're a real movie fan, you've already had that covered. So, you know, we can reach you with a, with a third or 15. And, and nowadays on social media, even, you know, six second uh, Instagram spots and Snapchat spots and that sort of thing. So it's, it's kind of as it gets closer, uh, we can go to more of a shorthand. But, but those things are usually, um, requested by the, by the client. We don't, we don't typically determine uh, uh, you know, because we're basically like an ad agency that, that services the client. And, 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 you know, they tell us what they want, and then we work with them to figure out how the best way to accomplish that is. I, you know, it's interesting because, I, you know, uh, early on I used to think that, you know, especially the major networks like NBC, ABC, uh, you know, and whatever, would cut their own spots in-house. I would think that that was what they would have staffs to do that, but... Uh, you know, I learned from you early on that, you know, they farm a lot of that out, and I, I just wonder why they don't do it in-house or what, what, what the dynamic is between farming it out as opposed to doing it in-house. And, uh, and maybe are they going to start doing them in-house as a trend later on? I don't know. Well, I tend to look at things from my own perspective, and from my own perspective, the reason they don't cut them in-house is I have a mortgage to pay. I, I have car payments to pay. <laughs> I have to eat. So, so hopefully they won't make that trend too, too soon. Okay. But um, it, it's a good question, and it's interesting because you had mentioned um, early on about whether this is the kind of job that, that you might find at a job fair. Right. And typically, even, you know, I, I went to uh, film schools quite a few years ago, but I came out of film school and I had no idea this. I, I was on the East Coast, I was in New York, and I had no idea this industry even existed. And it wasn't until I was coming out here in the 90s that I learned that this was an entire industry. And um, I belong to an organization called Promax, which is the kind of professional organization for the 
Uh, it used to be just TV marketing, but now it's all entertainment marketing. And a couple of years back, they asked me to, to, to produce uh, a little video for them where I interviewed several of the top executives, both um, people on the inside of the networks and people like myself who, who work at agencies. And nearly every one of them, when I would ask them the question of how they started, would say some version of, I stumbled into the business. Because <laughs> none, oh, none of us knew that this, this whole wonderful world existed. And, and it's funny because a lot of times people say exactly what you just said, which is, gee, doesn't the show or the network do it themselves? And I always think, like, oh, how could they do it themselves? And then I realized that 20 years ago when I stumbled into the business, I assumed the same thing. <laughs> uh, the, well, here's what it comes down to. Um, you know, because our company, Workshop, we do both movies and television. And, in fact, um, <clears throat> movies is how we started and it's still the bigger part of the company, but I'm, I'm on the TV side. But at movie studios, it's almost all done outside. It's almost all uh, vended out to companies like ours. And the reason for that is that, that even the bigger studios have a rather sporadic um, release schedule. You know, they'll, they may come out with 12 movies a year, but it might be that two or three of them come out in the summer and two or three come out uh, at, at, at the holidays. And so for them to maintain an entire staff year-round, um, <clears throat> when, when at one point they need a tremendous amount of work and at another point they may need not nearly as much, isn't very efficient. Um, on the TV side, it's a mix. They do have in-house people. There are people at each of the networks, um, well, at the, each of the broadcast networks, I'll say, who do exactly what I do. At the cable networks where they have less volume, it's more like the movie studios where, gee, we can't have all these editors and have all these music people and graphic designers sitting around doing nothing for a couple of months and then being overtaxed for a couple of months. So, so they have agencies like ours that handle the overload and that sort of thing. Um, what's also happened is that the, the marketing has really become a, a major part of the business, a major expenditure. Sometimes with a, with a big movie, they'll spend as much on the marketing of the movie as they do on, the, on making the movie. Wow. So um, with so much riding on it, um, they really need to uh, put a lot of resources behind it. So typically, if we're working on a trailer for a big movie, we'll be working on it, and maybe three other trailer houses in town might be working on it as well. And then oh, once wow. the trailer's out and they go to making TV spots, they might bring in two or three more agencies um, because uh, they... they <clears throat> what's interesting is um, if you look at advertising on TV for, for a car, for uh, Coca-Cola, for Budweiser, for toothpaste, whatever... Um, they're spending a lot of money shooting TV spots. Uh, in our business, we don't shoot very much. Mostly what we do is edit existing material. Uh, and it doesn't cost, cost as much. You don't have to hire you know, specific actors and all that. You don't have to you know, uh, travel to wherever you need to travel to. So they have the money to cut multiple spots, some of which never even make it on the air, uh, because it's all going to his editorial. And even as a percentage of the marketing budget, the money is spent with companies like ours creating these spots isn't nearly as much as you spend buying the advertising time. So um, they've got the uh, they've got the assets on a big show or a big movie to 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 generate a lot of work, and that requires a lot of people. And luckily, like I said, it <laughs> pays my mortgage and puts food on my table. Right. I, I you know there's a, a sort of a pet peeve that I have uh, you know when I see movie trailers, and maybe you can speak to this uh, sure. you know from just you know personal experience or an insider's viewpoint, you know, sometimes, and I've seen this increasingly kind of happen over the last few years, that 
trailers, movie trailers, seem to give away, or, or there's like this mini movie where you feel like you don't really even need to see the movie. Maybe sometimes the, you know, the plot or the third act is sort of given away inadvertently in the trailer, or, or all the, you know, scary points or whatever it is. Sometimes it's usually with dramatic trailers, and you feel like, you know, at the end, you know, and especially when you go to the movie, you say, well, God, the trailer was even better than the movie. It encapsulated everything that was in the movie and now I've wasted two hours. So is, is that a problem that trailer people, you know, sometimes movie trailer people, to your knowledge, do they address that or are they aware of it or is oh, it even like very, a concern? We're very aware of it, uh, mostly uh, because whenever I talk to people, whenever I tell people what I do, I hear two pet peeves. One is you give away too much of the movie, you ruin the movie. Uh, the other is you make the movie look better than it is and now you owe me 12 bucks because I wasted two hours of my life looking at this movie because you told me it was going to be good. Um, and, and, and yes, we, we hear that a lot. Um, it's also, I don't know if I would even say a trend because it's been going on for so long, but I remember years ago, one of our clients, uh, who had worked on the original Ghostbusters, you know, the, the, the Bill Murray, uh, right. back in, and he said, you know, back then, we nobody even thought that we would show the marshmallow <laughs> monster. Yeah, and the state buff man. If right. we were making that that trailer now, there's no question that we would show him because you show the biggest stuff in the trailer, and the studio insists on it, and it's what you know. There's, there's too much at stake, and, it, it, and even if it, even if when the movie then comes, we <laughs> we've ruined it for you. It is what drew you into the theater. So it, it's a constant push and pull between how much do we want to give away and how much must we give away in order to get people interested. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and again, usually it's not necessarily uh, the, the, the people who are making the trailer who do it, but the, the um, usually, and, and, and they do an enormous amount of, um, uh, an enormous amount of testing now, so they know, you know, what audiences react to, um, and, and, you know, a lot of that is, is you know, scientifically driven and data-driven. Right. Um, but yes, a lot of people do complain, but um, I think what also it comes down to is, is who is your target audience? And even though you may, you personally may see more movies than, than the average 17-year-old out there, in general, the person we're talking to is typically 17 or 22 or 23. They're young. They, 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 they're out you know, every weekend, uh, and, and to be honest, less so nowadays because there's so much other competition for what we call eyeballs. Um, yeah. But but the, the majority of the big blockbusters are aimed at a younger audience, and they want to see the big moments. They're, you, you, you'll hear that complaint from people our age. Um, yeah. But I bet when you talk to a 17-year-old or a 22-year-old, they're not going to say, oh, I went to see fill in the blank and I'm so pissed that they that they that that I got to see the monster ahead of time or I'm 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 so upset that they gave away too many clues. You know so, some shows and some movies you really do have to hold back. Um you know it's funny we're we're doing a little something now for uh they're doing a remake uh that's gonna be out next month of uh, the murder on the Orient Express. Which, uh, I'm sorry sure you saw the original I did back in uh, And everyone knows how it ends. It that's the funny. thing. You know Everybody who's seen the original uh, knows how it ends. A lot of young people, in, in fact, when the movie came in, I was all, at, you know, I, I work at a place where I'm far and away the oldest person there, and, and most of the people who work at the company I work at, is, you know, are, are in their 20s or 30s, and I'll 
it, it's so often where I'll, you know, say, oh, they've got so-and-so in it, and they don't know who I'm talking about, because that's a movie star from before they were born. Yeah, And a movie right. like Orient Express will come out, and I'll be like, oh, they're redoing Orient Express, and they'll say, oh, they did it before. <laughs> and, and it's funny because... Um, the uh, one of the first, one of the people I was working with said, you know, I oh, it, it's been on my my queue for a long time. I've wanted to see the original, and now I don't want to see the original because I don't want to know how it ends. And uh, he goes, so, so I'm so I'm walking around with my fingers in my ears because I don't want to want to know the ending of a book that was written 70 years ago and a movie that was made 40 years ago because <laughs> the new one's coming out. But so that's an example of something where you really do want to hide the, uh, yeah. the, the the secrets, um, but. Yeah. But for the most part, yeah, we're, uh, I have to plead guilty. We're not, um, we're not very um, uh, cognizant, or, or we, we don't pay a lot of attention to the complaints that we give away too much. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will throw in one story, if I may. Um, the, the other thing is that sometimes the filmmakers, or in, in the case of TV, the, the executive producers of the shows, have enough clout where they could say, don't show this shot. Don't show this um, scene because I want that to be a surprise. And then it's a little bit of a tug of war between the studio or network that may want to show it. But if the filmmaker or the or the executive producer has enough clout, then um, then they can dictate that. You know, no, nobody at ABC is going to go against Shonda Rhimes and say, "Oh, who cares what you say?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Hell, it went out. Exactly. They're, yeah. they're not going to show it. But um, occasionally, you know, you get that um, that that kind of tug of war. And and, and there was an interesting story. Uh, well, uh, two. One. I'll tell you one quick one. Um, we worked on the show uh, Hot in Cleveland, which uh, you may remember. That was uh, I remember. <clears throat> the show yeah. with Betty White and all that. Yeah. And um, I had a charity auction, had won a uh, walk-on extra part in it. And so I got to go and I got to bring three of my coworkers, and we were all working on the show. And afterwards, we took um, pictures with the uh, cast. And in that particular episode, uh, one of the big jokes is that Betty White dyes her hair bright red. Uh, I think because uh, she wants to date a, a younger man, you know, a guy who's only 75 or something. <laughs> and um, so after the episode, we go and we meet the cast and we're taking pictures with them. And, you know, within 10 minutes on our Facebook feed, there's all of us with Betty White. And all of a sudden I get a frantic phone call. Take those down, take those down. We don't want to show that Betty goes redhead until the, the oh, episode. Man, oh, man. Oh, a spoiler. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> yeah, so We had to, you know, hold off on it for about a month. Yeah, but, social uh, media just, being what it is. Yeah, Crazy. another story, and, 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 and you may remember this because I may have told you about it when, when, it, when it happened. Um, there was a um, uh, uh, Modern Family um, at the end of its second season, you know, huge hit, and we were doing a presentation about it for the Upfronts, which is a big uh, sales presentation that happens every May. And in it, um, we would leave off with the idea that Cam and Mitch were thinking about adopting another kid. Right. And... Um, and so we cut this piece, and it built to that moment that it was great. And my client looked at it, and they said, oh, the only problem is Upfront happens a week before the season finale. So we're giving away something that, you know, um, so they went back and forth, and um, the, the head of the network really liked it and, and said, listen, we're gonna, we, we're, this is only going out to salespeople and only going out to journalists, and we'll tell them, hey, we're giving away something here. Please don't spoil it. Get, you know, wait a week on this. But we still had to get the permission of um, the producers, uh, Steve Levitan and Chris Lloyd. So um, my client, uh, you know, went and, and made the pitch to them. 
And they really didn't like the idea, but they looked at the piece and they said, okay, do it, as long as you promise us that the secret won't come out or anything. All right, so that, and, and, and I was eternally grateful because it would have been a tremendous amount of work if we had to redo it. So, so they showed the piece, everything's fine. Cut to a year later. And, I, and, and, and actually, it was a conversation with you that kind of gave this away to me. We're working on the season finale, and um, in the season finale, uh, you know, whatever happens, happens, but, but what ended up being on the air didn't happen. Uh, and, and usually I don't watch the shows on the air because I've already seen them 20 times by that time because we've been cutting spots for it. And, and I think I was having uh, lunch with you one day or whatever, and you said, oh, I saw the um, season finale of Modern Family last night. Um, uh, Gloria's pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, Gloria's pregnant? And I'm like, how could I have seen this episode so many times and not known that Gloria's pregnant? <laughs> so at the very end of the episode, they had a scene where Gloria sneaks into a, a, a drugstore, and right. at the very end they show that she's got one of those EPT tests, and, and it's positive, and bang, that, you know, that's... That's it, the end of episode, you know, uh, cliffhanger for the next season. And and, I'm, and I go back and I look at the episode that I have, and it's not on there. And I told my client, I'm like, hey, we didn't know that Gloria's being pregnant. And he said, neither did we. The, the show stuck it on, like, on their last cut of the show. And at that point, you know, it's late in the season, and very few people looked at it because they'd already seen the whole episode. And I don't know this for sure, but I always felt that it was because we kind of gave away their ending the year before that they said, the only way we can keep them from giving away our ending is for us not to give it to them. <laughs> they really stuck it in, in, in the final days. And uh, it was a brilliant move on their part if, if, if what they wanted was for us not to uh, give it away. <laughs> well, exactly. Hey, getting back a little bit to, yeah. you know, the initially what, what, I asked about trends in the in the yeah. business and how you see it changing. I mean, you mentioned social media and and whatnot. What uh, I mean, uh, you know, you're in the perfect driver's seat to sort of expound on some of this. What do you see is happening in the industry in the next, you know, couple of years, six months, five years? I don't even know what the time frame <laughs> would be for change, but uh, uh, well, actually, some of the stuff we talked about is part of it, and and, and it's a trend that I've noticed. Um, I feel like when when I first started doing this, it was all about telling the story in a, in a compressed way, getting enough of the setup in so that people know, oh, you know, this is a show about, um, you know, a family where, you know, one kid is, is gay and, and is in a same-sex marriage and uh, one kid is married and has three kids and their father has a second wife and, you know, obviously talking about Modern Family. And, and it was when we did the initial spots, we're trying to get enough of that into the beginning so people get it, but at the same time they get the jokes. Um, nowadays, what I feel is there's much more an emphasis on show the big moments. And um, I've noticed I'll be in a movie theater and I'll see six trailers, and I'll say, okay, I'm interested in seeing that movie, that movie, that movie, but I couldn't really tell you what any of those movies is completely about because mostly what they, they put in front of you are big moment, big moment, big moment, and if you don't necessarily get the arc of the story, that's okay. Um, and, and it's something that, it, it's a little troubling to me because I, I, it's always something that I've enjoyed, which is, okay, how can I tell the story as quickly as possible and, and still get some of the big moments in? So that's right. not as prized anymore, and it's, you know, so, so, so I kind of hone my skills to do that, but now sometimes, you know, they'll say, you know what, um, we don't have enough time for this, uh, but we want to get this, this, and this in. And I'll look at it and I'll say, but 
that people won't understand, and they'll say, well, yeah, where is the narrative cohesion? Yeah, it doesn't really matter if they know that he and she are brother and sister, or he and what's important is that they see the big set piece. So, so it kind of plays to what you talked about, which is sometimes giving away things that you don't necessarily want to see given away as a viewer, or that a filmmaker may not want to see given away, but that they've determined this is what's going to get people to tune in. So I, I would say that's a big trend. Um, part of it is social media also, where <clears throat> you've got spots that are going to be shown in, in six seconds or 15 seconds um, and are seen mostly on, on um, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat. And a lot of times what we do, we have, we have a whole separate, separate social department that creates spots just for social media or, in some cases, repurposes spots we've already done for TV for social media. And one thing they do is they'll put most of the dialogue on graphic because a lot of times someone will be looking at it and they'll be in, in a crowded place, in a noisy place, and they'll necessarily hear what's going on. So they'll, so they'll see the image and they'll, and they'll read the, the um, like subtitles like subtitle. in, in big, exciting uh, typeface. Um, so those are, those are two trends, um, and I think those are the ones I noticed the most in terms of things changing. Yeah. Now, I mean, not everyone can be a stand-up comedian on the East or West Coast and, and sort of sidle into the industry like that, but yeah. what, what, what advice would you give to someone, you know, maybe listening to the podcast or that, that sort of realizes that maybe this is sort of an avenue that they want to go down? I know, you know, you're a funny guy, so... You know, and uh, you've you've produced and written and cut a lot of humorous spots because yeah. you know you have an affinity for humor. But I mean, is there a route that you would uh, say for someone to go down? Maybe not film school, maybe something else. Maybe uh, you know, what would that route be, well, if any? Um, I would say if you're not funny, that's fine because I've kind of coming from comedy have built a career of doing comedy, and. And, and happily, both I and the company I, I work for sort of specialize in comedy, which is great. But the fact is, if you watch um, HBO Now, Netflix, Hulu, there's a lot of great dramas out there. And, and as much as I enjoy watching them, I don't get to work on as many because they say, oh, Seth, he's the comedy guy. So if you're not funny, great. You know, go, go after Game of Thrones and uh, all those other kind of great drama shows. But as far as the career path... Um, it really has changed. When, as I mentioned, when I started, almost everybody I knew had stumbled into it. Many, many of the editors, and, and I think this isn't a coincidence, are are, um, are musicians. A lot of them are, are guys who came out to LA to get into bands, or maybe were with bands and all that, and then learned, you know, through music, learned about the equipment, and then learned about editing equipment, and and their musical skills really. Music is such an important part of trailers and both the music itself and also being able to kind of um, work with a, with a beat and work with a rhythm. So, so there's a real affinity between being a music uh, person, being a musician or a composer, and, and, and being an editor. Um, but a lot of, like, I went to film school and they never talked about the marketing. They never talked about the trailers. Nowadays, um, first of all, and this is something you kind of touched on, uh, the trailers are part of the entertainment. Um, it used to be trailers were up there to tell you when the movie's coming out. But nowadays you'll see announcements for when the trailer's dropping. You know, they'll say, oh, uh, you know, the, uh, the movie's out December 22nd, but the trailer hits uh, October 12th. You know? right, and, and, right. and people will sometimes go to a movie that they're lukewarm. When I say people, I'm talking about young people who are real avid moviegoers. But someone might be lukewarm about a movie, but they're going to go because they hear that the trailer for this movie is dropping on that, and they want to see that trailer that first day. They want to jump on social media 
tell people that it's either great or that it sucks. It seems like they enjoy saying it sucks more than, than <laughs> it's great. Um, but so, so now they're all aware of trailers as a product. And what I notice when I speak to, because uh, I, um, I graduated at Boston University, so sometimes I'll speak to seniors or, or students uh, who are there or uh, at other schools, they're all very aware of the hottest trailers and the trailers that they love, and they know that it's an industry. So we're getting much more, many more people. And and boy, when we put an ad in the, uh, when we put an ad out there for a, a you know, because we tend to hire right at a school um, production assistants and then kind of grow our own talent, we get <laughs> it's just amazing the response you get of of how many resumes and reels. Um, and what happens now, you know, it used to be that there was a uh, the price of admission to getting into our business was that uh, to, to have an edit bay was expensive. But nowadays, everybody who buys a, a laptop computer has an editing suite <laughs> right, right. right on yeah. their laptop. Oh, wow! Yeah. And yeah. and so you've got kids who know how to edit, and you've got kids in high school and, and even before who are getting editing classes or editing tutorials at school. And then you go to college, and and even if you're not a film major, you, chances are you know how to edit. And if you are a film major, you really know how to edit. So. Um, we have the great advantage that now when we get a resume from somebody, they'll typically send us a sample of their work too. And, you know, typically it's not at a professional level, but you could sort of, you know, once you've seen a thousand reels of, of kids getting out of college, you kind of know like, oh, this, this person has potential. Yeah, it's the so, diamond in the rough kind of thing. And, yeah. and it, what you say about trailers is it really hits home. I mean, just as far as, you know, Comic-Con, which is held uh, oh, annually God. down in San Diego, they have whole panel discussions built around trailers, especially fantasy or adventure trailers. I mean, they are big, big deals down at these Comic-Cons. So you're you're absolutely right about and, that. It's, and it's uh, a big deal for us if we're working on a movie or a show where the trailer is going to be premiered at Comic-Con because we know it's going to get a lot of buzz. That the downside is that, you know, those guys are brutal, so it could get yeah. a negative buzz. But it's, it's yeah. a big deal. When, when your trailer gets to premiere at Comic-Con. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, Seth, this has been really great. It's been very informative and interesting. Oh, is it? Has a half hour flown by already? Uh, well, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it has, actually. And, uh, <laughs> Wait, do I have a minute to plug my show? Well, you can plug your show, and, uh, you know, that's, go ahead and plug it. Yeah, uh, as, as, as Tom mentioned at the beginning, I uh, after all these years of... of producing things for other people, um, I had this idea for a, a fun little uh, web series that I wanted to produce, uh, which ended up being called Here's the Thing, and it's, it's basically, um, in fact, Tom reviewed it. Uh, Tom was one of the first people on Facebook, and I remember his, his, his great quote, which I should use the advertising, I, I think it was, I want to kill both these people. Was that what you said, Tom? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think I something about that. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, stylistically, I would say it's a little bit inspired by Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's about two people who are rather annoying. And it's interesting. Some people find the guy more annoying. Some people find the woman more annoying. Tom, being a very democratic guy, hated both of them. Uh, but, but, but you're in good company. My my girlfriend actually can't get through an episode. So she says, okay, I'll try to watch it. She'll watch like 50 cents. She goes, turn it off, turn it off. I don't know. So it's, it's one of those things you, you either love or you hate it. But uh, check it out. It's, it's, on, uh, it's on YouTube. It's called Here's the Thing. Uh, and unfortunately, there's a lot of things on, here's, on, on YouTube called Here's the Thing. But um, if, if you try and find it, <laughs> hopefully you'll find it. And 
Whether you love it or you hate it, that's okay. I'm, I, as long as you watch it, I'm happy. That sounds good. Very cool. Well, th- thanks so much for being on the show, Seth. And, uh, okay. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Great. Thank you, guys. Bye.